Welcome to another edition of Pillow Talk with Kenzie and Spencer. Um, Kenz. Spence. Did you have a good day today? Yeah. Good. I mean, we did get to go and spend some time with our family. Uh, we played some Koob. Oh, got to see that. our niece. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it was very fun. We got to go to church today. Yeah. Which was fun and see some, like, friends that we haven't seen for a while. Yeah. No, it's definitely good and kind of good to do that safely as well with some masks and social distancing. A lot of sanitizer being passed around. Um, but anyway, I, I mean, you guys have really shown some good response, I guess, to these past episodes and learning more about communication and conflict. But I think there was another aspect of communication that I really loved studying. And I don't know if you enjoyed it as much. Maybe you did. But I, not. I really loved my persuasion classes. I knew that's what you were going to say. Mm-hmm. And my persuasion class was online. Oh. And so I really didn't get a lot out of it. Um, I kind of half-heartedly did the class. Yeah. Um, and really, I don't remember a single thing from it. No, I mean... I am trying to remember all the specifics that go into it right now, but I just remember really loving it. And I loved my professor, John Sider, and how he would even just approach the class every day. Like, he was so knowledgeable about it and had so many cool experiments that he had done on his own. And one thing I even loved in the syllabus, I think, was he had mentioned something that I love persuasion so much I wrote the book on it. Which he did. Yeah. (laughs) Which was really cool, but... I guess the one question I would kind of want to talk about tonight with you mm-hmm. and kind of go with the listeners was, is the study of persuasion ethical? And I think that it's mm. it's kind of interesting, right? Because when I think when you think persuasion, sometimes the first things you think of is like coercion. a dirty, well, <laughs> coercion, yeah, but also like just a dirty car salesman that... <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, is using these weird persuasive tactics, or are you learning how to persuade people into doing something bad? Because that could be wrong. But you could also be learning persuasion in a way to defend yourself against that, and to also use persuasion correctly, because honestly, I feel like almost every conversation you have, you're trying to persuade somebody to do something, whether it's listen to you, whether, well, you just even tell, like, a simple story. Yeah, whether you're trying to change their opinions or, yeah, stance on something, trying to get them to follow you, trying to get them to buy into something, whatever it is, that's really, you know, I feel like most communication is in some way affected by persuasion or influenced, I guess, by it and by a persuasive tactic and means. So I just kind of guess that, like, it is, to me, at least good to study, but... I do want to just kind of talk about that, like, okay. what would make persuasion, like, ethical in your mind? So, I feel like if you are open and transparent in it, mm-hmm. in what your goal is, um, I don't know if that defeats the purpose of trying to be persuasive. Um, and I don't think that I'm a very persuasive person, so maybe I'm not a great person to ask because I... I would rather just be transparent and be like, this is what I want, like, Mm -hmm. or this is kind of my end goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like playing mind games and 
Um, I think recently that has been kind of getting me into trouble. Because <laughs> I just, um, I would rather speak my mind than try to, like, strategize on how I'm going to get people to agree mm-hmm. with me or whatever mm-hmm. I'm trying to persuade them to do. But, um, so, I don't know. If there's a way to be transparent and persuasive, which I'm sure there is, I think that's a good place to start. And then I think if people have similar training in persuasion so that you can see, like, okay, this is, like, what they're trying to get at. I don't know. So it's just more of, like, a level playing field. Yeah. But not everybody has taken classes on persuasion, and even if they have, like me, didn't learn much. (laughs) So... Um... I just... I think I'm not a very good person to talk to about this. No, I think you're so great. (laughs) And I think that you are aware of things. And I think, especially in, like, this day and age, there's so many, like, conspiracy theories out there, so many different political ideologies, and so many different things that just kind of pull you in every which way. And it's hard to even know, like, which one you want to, like, follow down at times or whatever. Because I feel like most people are more centrist thinking. And then they kind of lean in one direction. And then at times it kind of feels like you have to go wholeheartedly in one. Yeah. Even though you may support like a different issue in a different way. Right. And I think it can kind of be hard, especially because you feel like it's all or nothing. When I feel like persuasion can be a little bit different. Like you can persuade yourself for sure in either direction. And you can be persuaded in either direction. And you can break it down like case by case, issue, issue by issue. And kind of discover a little bit more about yourself in that process. Yeah. And I think that's really important to do. Like, don't just try to... I don't know. I think, like, in investments, too. But you don't put all your eggs in one basket. I think similar with persuasion. I think it's unethical to try to just force yourself or force others into one way of thinking. And I don't think that coercion is persuasion. I think that's different. Like, coercion in and of itself is different. Is more, like, forceful? Right. Right. And then I just think that persuasion otherwise you know it's a very different thing but I loved in the book that my professor had written he talks about borderline persuasion versus what's actually persuasion versus what's definitely not persuasion and he gives kind of like these six keys and these six elements that build up what persuasion actually is and I really wish I could remember them right now I'll have to check my notes but I do know one that persuasion is not coercive was one of his top ones oh good because he had said that mentally it it can't be like if you have a gun to your head and somebody's telling you to do something you're not necessarily persuaded by that person you're still coerced you're forced into it so your choice is kind of taken away in essence that right and the choice is no longer will you won't you it's die or do it so a little different right and then there's a few others that, I don't know, I'd really recommend it, just taking a class what on was, persuasion and learning it. I think it's completely ethical to learn it. What was the name of his book? Oh, honestly, my, I don't know why I can't remember it. We have it downstairs, I'm pretty sure. Because I think the book we had to read was Getting to Yes. That's a good one, with principle-based negotiations. Wait. Maybe we took that, maybe we read that (laughs) in my negotiation class. (laughs) Is that a thing? Yeah, but it's kind of similar. 
Because I think con- my conflict class was split up. Half the semester was conflict and half was negotiation. Got it. And I think it was... A, so, never mind. I don't remember my persuasion But even so, book. Getting TS is a good book about persuasion and turning it... I didn't it, read it. Oh, it is really good. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> but, <laughs> I was only good at learning conflict. <laughs> but it is cool. Just, like, even in that, it talks about switching things to a principle-based rather than, like, personal or business-based, even that... When you can kind of make it about the principles, people get more out of it, and they'll feel like they get more out of it, and I think it is more ethical and honest. But I love what you okay. said with, like, honesty and transparency with it. The persuasion needs to be honest and transparent, and I think that that's something that you don't necessarily see in Washington very much, that everybody in Washington kind of lies, <laughs> and that's how they yeah. get votes, and they do things just to influence that, really, and that's how just you win to, a like, campaign. Just to, appease the, the masses. Yeah. Right, and everybody on both sides will be trying to manipulate minds in some way to try to swing a vote and everything like that. And I do think that with it, it's kind of hard to beat that machine down, and it it is effective, and that's the thing. Like, you're just trying to stay in office and keep your power regardless of what happens after. Mm -hmm. But within a marriage, I think that's where, in, in a relationship, that's where I think persuasion becomes even more like persuading somebody to see... Not even just your point of view, but trying to get on the same page, especially within a conflict or especially like in making a decision, trying to persuade somebody and learning those kind of tactics and means without manipulation, but in being honest and transparent and making it more about needs rather than like personal issues. I think that it becomes a lot better and a lot more effective. Um, And I think you're happier within your relationship by doing that. I had to persuade you to marry me. Did you? Uh-huh. How? Um, just because I was like, hey, Spence, listen, I think that I, I think that I might be pretty cool. Um, I'm a little <laughs> cuckoo bananas, but I think that it's something that you can handle and I'll make it worth your while, like, um, <laughs> See, guys, I'm not very good at persuasion, but it worked. It did. I'm still here. Whatever I said. I'm still here. I said I would um, make the bed every morning (laughs) for you, and I'd cook you dinner, (laughs) and when I make you sandwiches, I'll, like, cut them in triangles. (laughs) Man. Well, you do that really well. That is one of my favorite things about you is just how well you cut (laughs) sandwiches into triangles. And I said... Listen, I'll do that for you. <laughs> Honestly, it's amazing how well she can do it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that was good persuasion, and I'm glad that I'm saying it. I don't think anything is going to persuade me to leave. Um, and that, well, you know what? Can I don't I... think anything ever would. Okay, I don't know that you want to transition into this, but we did have another listener question. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read it exactly what he said because he... Well, he worded it a little weird, mm-hmm. but... From a really good listener and a uh, guest on the show. Yeah, he friend of mind, the I'm podcast. Sure. His name is Wyatt. Mm-hmm. He He's, yeah. Go mm-hmm. listen to his episode. It was pretty funny. Yeah, really. It was one of our first ones that we did last year. I think, yeah, yeah. it turned out really great. But <laughs> anyway. Um, so his question was just like, what is the biggest threat to... Well, he said our relationship in your eyes. And so I thought he meant mm-hmm. him with me and you. Uh-huh. 
Um, and then he clarified and said, no, like, your relationship, you and Spence. But what he, like, the gist mm-hmm. of that was just, like, what is the breaking point in mm-hmm. our relationship where it's just, like, nope, can't do this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you've, you've crossed a line, and I feel like I don't need to be in this anymore kind of thing. Um, I don't, you just kind of, like, segued into that with what yeah. you last said. So we don't have to go into that right Let's now. Let's do it. Um, and I, Let's get uncomfortable a little bit, Ken's. Let's do this thing. That's fine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You just... <laughs> talking of uncomfortable, you just got that mic real close. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually, since he asked that, I've been thinking a lot about it. And I just... I don't know. I don't know what my breaking point would be. Yeah, I know mine. I know you know yours. <laughs> we have kind of talked about this a little bit, so I can kind of go in and maybe think yeah. a little, but for me, it's 100% just about trust. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my breaking point has to do with that, without somebody coming forward. Like, as far as fidelity in our marriage goes, I think if you were to cheat on me, I would have a really, really difficult time overlooking that. Yeah. And I also think that it would be so much harder if I was the one that, like, caught you cheating, like, oh. and with you lying. That that's where oh. it would be even harder, because I that feel like... break my heart. When people mess up, if they fess up, I just feel like it gets that much better. Like, trust can be a lot easier established when you come forward with something rather than being caught in it. Yeah. And I think that that's what would be hard is just when something is broken within there. But I think with that as well... It's really important to just have open and honest communication throughout it. Now, I don't mean just cheating because I've never experienced that personally. <laughs> never been cheated on. And I fully believe and have complete trust in you that yeah. you wouldn't cheat on me and won't. That was part of the persuasion. I said, listen, yeah. I'm never going to cheat on you. And you'll You're never going to cheat on me. Trust yes. me. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing for me. Like, And the triangle... <laughs> Sandwiches, I guess. <laughs> if you stop doing that or you lose your touch, I don't know if this thing can keep going. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I just think that when you have that and you kind of are able to set the boundaries once again in your marriage and what is okay and what isn't, and if that trust is violated, I think the best thing you can do is come forward with it Yeah. and start working to rebuild trust or if the situation requires, like, ending it. I would say another thing would be, like, abuse. And I I feel like that still goes hand in hand in trust. That abuse, I think, comes from somebody in power hurting in some way somebody that's more vulnerable. And I feel like in a marriage, power isn't necessarily up for grabs, but it's always there within your grasp because you are so vulnerable with each other. Yeah. So any spouse can take power by simply taking advantage of somebody else's vulnerability in some way. So be it emotional, physical, whatever else, if you're taking advantage of somebody's vulnerability, you are being abusive. And I would have a really hard time kind of going through that yeah. and trying to reestablish that trust again of wanting to be vulnerable and open and continue through. Because a marriage is something you're constantly working on and a relationship is something you're constantly building together. And I just think that that would set you back so many roadblocks that it might not even be able to continue. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think? 
I think if I found out you were a murderer... That would be it? Um, I'd be out. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm not. And, yeah, I feel pretty confident in that. <laughs> but, not but. Sometimes, I just feel like... Like, I don't... I still don't really even know who you are. Like, what if... <laughs> What if you are a murderer and I just haven't <laughs> haven't figured it out yet? Yeah. Do you want me to hold this? It looks awkward for you. A little. Sorry, my elbow really hurts. Okay. Um. I think infidelity would be really hard. I think I'd I'd like to think that that's something that I would be able to over overcome. I don't know if that's like the right word, but just like work through. Um. Mm-hmm. As someone who loves therapy and ha- like really believes in the power of therapy, like seeing a good therapist, I'd like to think that I'd be able to just like come to terms with it. Um, but I don't know if I could. It'd be hard. It would I think be really hard. Any violation of somebody's trust and like true vulnerability, because I think that little things might happen I think that people can be completely honest and I think that they should no matter what and always tell the truth (laughs) but I mean like maybe some little things or like small I don't even know what an example is honestly but maybe some small violation of trust in some way I like when I think it's a really crappy example, but when I was proposing to you, I lied to you about oh having the gosh. ring. Oh my gosh, yes, that was Which so most people do. Rude. <laughs> I was so mad about that. And that was me trying to do a surprise for you. Which I get. And I think that sometimes with that, lying to protect somebody maybe is okay. I have a hard time with that, but... I do think that any violation of someone's trust is so hard to rebuild something in a relationship because it does set you back so far. Yeah. It is hard to establish trust in the first place. That's why dating is so crucial. Yeah. And then on top of it, you know, when that's broken, that sets you back almost a square one of trying to reestablish trust. And if you can't do it, it's hard. Because once it's violated once, you will always be scared that it's going to be violated again. Yeah. It is hard to get through that. Right. I think it would be hard, too, if one day you woke up and you were just like, like, I don't like who I am, and I just want to change, like, everything about me. Mm -hmm. And if you just became, like, a completely different person, I think that would be really hard for me. Yeah. Um... Just to have to, like, relearn who you are. Mm-hmm. And, like, what if you decided to just be, like, a bad person? Yeah, that would be really hard. I'd have to try to persuade you to join the bad side with oh, me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, you'd never do it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Little Miss, I had a crush on J- Draco Malfoy because everyone likes a bad boy. Who doesn't like a bad boy? <laughs> But <laughs> um, I think bad boy with a good heart. I think it just something that really does scare me being in a marriage period is I know a lot of people who end up getting divorced or separated 
say that it's because they wake up one day and they don't know who their spouse is anymore. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because the spouse woke up and said, like, I'm going to be someone different and you're going <laughs> to hate them. But just because they don't communicate well. Yeah. Um, And they don't take the time to, like, continually get to know each other and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of my biggest fears is that we just become so disconnected that one day, you know, 20 years down the line, we're going to wake up and like look at each other and be like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'm into this anymore. Yeah. Like that really scares me. No, I can Um, see that. I don't know that that would necessarily be something that like you did to like make me want to bow out, but yeah, I always, I kind of wonder about that too. Like when something just totally snaps or like something just goes wrong. Cause I feel like it's never that simple. No. Like I feel like humans are such a buildup of just small moments within their lives and small experiences. Right. And I feel like the old adage that people never change is flawed in that people are constantly changing. Yeah. Not full viewpoints or maybe not full beliefs. But little things happen every single day. Like, just as your body progresses and maybe deteriorates, your mind also progresses probably even faster. Yeah. And starts deteriorating even faster, too, I think. And I think trying to communicate with those changes and kind of roll with the punches in that sense, but understanding that marriage is called a partnership for a reason. Like, you're trying to figure out each other's changes at the same time. And it's nice to have, like another mind working with you to try to process or go through it. And that's why I think, like, marriage therapy or counseling is so effective, too. Like, having another unbiased person in there to help you learn how to cope with these changes that are going on and major things that can happen. And I think, yeah, working through the conflicts in that sense, but I think with so much change... I'm reading in The Seven Habits right now about a proactive mindset versus a reactive one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you push things off to the side until they boil and they stew over, eventually all you can do is react, and your reaction might be, like, we need to separate because I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. Rather than, like, having that proactive mindset of not immediately, oh, I'm feeling a change, it's time to end it, but bringing forward, like, hey, I'm really feeling this right now. Like, I, something is off, I need some help. Like, I feel like something is going on and I'm changing or my opinion on something that I thought was this for so long is changing and is kind of shattering my world, like, as I'm receiving more and more information. (laughs) And I think that that can be really hard, especially to try to process on your own. And then when you're frustrated and that boils over and you're taking it out, essentially, until you do become like somebody that the person doesn't recognize or you become more apathetic eventually, too. So is when you that, shut off. Is that how you've been feeling these last couple um I was gonna say months. I don't even think it's been that long. But these last couple of weeks where I've just become <laughs> a lot more politically um aware Activated. active. <laughs> Never in my life have I cared about <laughs> politics unless these until these last couple of weeks. <laughs> is that why you keep bringing up like political changes. <laughs> I heard like 
I think it's just so prevalent no matter what. Like, I can't... Nobody can. Like, you can't turn anywhere or think of any story without finding some kind of political twist to it. I know, but is it, like, making you look at me differently, like... Not really. Because you're so open about, like, in communicating with it. Yeah. And I still see that you're the same person, just your (laughs) mind... Just more opinionated. Well, more opinionated, but I think that, like, you're opening up your mind to other things. Because it is one thing that I actually really admire about you. I think when you commit to something, you do commit pretty whole hog. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know I was talking about earlier, like, not being persuaded, like, completely one way or the other. (laughs) But I think that with that, like, it's still important to keep a commitment and to try to educate yourself as much as you can on anything. Yeah. And I think that you do a really good job of that and researching it out. And, like, that's something that you've always done. It's just now you're aiming it towards politics instead of other Which things so like a rabbit or a baby stroller <laughs> or things like that. Like, you really push yourself to learn about things, but just yeah. things that you start to care about. Because if I were to bring up things like... Um, like an Atari. Like an Atari. Like I watched High Score on Netflix. And I, I love just learning about anything and everything I can. Whereas Kenzie loves learning, but really just likes to focus in on one thing. Yeah. So I just think it's what you're focused on right now. But you are the same person. Just opening your mind up to something new. And then committing yourself to learning as much as you can about it. I just want to be sure that this isn't one of those things you're talking about, like... Oh, well, you're changing your mind and you're becoming <laughs> different and whatever. Well, if you weren't communicating that to me, then I might. But you are. So I can see that you're processing something new and you are changing. But yeah. it's not like you're becoming a completely new person. You're just evolving onto something different. And at your core, you're still the exact same. Okay, good. Yeah. But you communicate about that with me, which is why I think it works. Yeah, that's something that blows my mind. Like, people who don't feel comfortable talking to their spouse. About anything? About anything, yeah. Yeah. Like, I know in the past I've dated guys where I did not feel comfortable talking about anything because I was so scared that they were going to be like, oh, I don't like that, I'm out. Um, and I think people marry people like that. Yeah, they do. Like, they don't fully, I don't know. Feel comfortable. Feel comfortable, yeah. And that's really important. And I think, I don't know, that just, it blows my mind. Which I've been there, but I couldn't imagine marrying any of those people. Well, and I think especially in our... Like, religious culture, like, being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where we don't believe in cohabitation before marriage, I think that a lot of people, which I really, like, I don't believe in the practice, I get that, and I get that it really does work for certain people, (laughs) but I just mean that I think within our church, when you really don't even know what it's like to live with another person, that's not, like, one of your direct family members, but somebody you're, like, inviting in. Yeah. That can be really hard and scary, and it really raises the stakes, because when push comes to shove, like, at the end of the day, you're coming home, and it's you and that person, or you and that person and your kid, but, man, that's, like, that can get kind of intense. Like, you have to be comfortable, I feel. 
And not just in, like, gross situations, but in anything. Like, if you have a bad day, like, you should be able to feel comfortable talking about it. Or at least saying, I need a minute. I'm going upstairs. I've had a bad day. Yeah. And then the other person can start processing and you guys can start working on it together. And start working on good persuasion, even, to try to make the situation better and good conflict styles. Yeah. But... I know. It is so odd to me, too, that people don't feel comfortable right. with it. I know I follow a couple therapists on Instagram or, like, sex therapists. Mm-hmm. And so many times they have to, like, like, tell people this is how you can open up conversations to talk about, like, these harder things, mm-hmm. quote, unquote. I don't think it's hard for me to open up about much with you like no um but it's so interesting to me to see those posts where they're like this is like just how you can start that conversation right like people need help with conversation starters which is fine i think if you do but it blows my mind though it is just just, odd i could talk to anybody about anything right like i guess that's just how I am, I'm an open right. book, and if someone lets me... Well, and I think you still have to have boundaries with it, for I, sure, even within your marriage. I see, think that's those what are I so struggle <laughs> I need to learn Knowing where the boundary those. is. But that's, yeah, and that's a big thing. But I think setting up good boundaries... And that's, I guess, all tying it back in. We can probably end it pretty soon here. But yeah. tying it all back in, I think boundaries are something so crucial to have... And can really help any kind of relationship you're having if both people are really clear on what they are. And that takes good communication, of course, to kind of know somebody's, like, no-go zone. And somebody's like, yeah, I feel great talking about this with you and whatever. And if it is, like, within a marriage, I think, like people, the relationship changes. And through persuasion or through other means and doing it ethically and with transparency and honesty that boundary can shift a little and you can become more and more comfortable talking about things that need yeah. to be talked about. I think people really struggle talking about money together. Oh, yeah. I think they really struggle That's talking about, like, we intimacy. Have a hard time with. Yeah. I hate talking about money. Yeah, it's hard, but, like, I think we know the boundaries and we can kind of do our best not to cross them, and when they do happen, we can take a break and, like, kind and of regain reset. and then go at it again and whatever else. Yeah. So I just think that, yeah, keeping that boundary, respecting it, and then knowing what your limits really are, and then you can kind of work through them together and find the best way to both get your needs met, and that's all communication, conflict, persuasion really is. (laughs) Yeah. But? It's fascinating. I'm so glad that's what I studied, even though I didn't learn anything from persuasion. (laughs) But... We have a book downstairs we can go over. Anyway, it's so fun, <laughs> super duper. Anyway, um, <laughs> until then, until next time, good night. I until love you. Drop us your But I do love you, um, and I hope you have a really good night. Good night. Okay, good night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love you. Good night. <laughs>